maybe maybe there's some sort of magic to Richard Gere's butt where if you go in there, you'll live forever. You don't know. That's true. I'm willing to try. That. I don't know that. It's probably, it's <laughs> unlikely, I feel like, but I don't know it for sure. I've never heard of a magic butthole. <laughs> People but, are like, where do you live? I live in Richard Gere's house inside his butthole. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, where, that's why I look so young. It's, uh, it was, it, it, there, was an, there was an article in uh, Architect's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> We had to knock down some walls. Yeah, I think I saw that on Property Brothers, too. (laughs) This is a real fixer-upper. History Defeats Itself is a comedy podcast. Kevin, John, and Greg are not experts, historians, or even all that smart. Hello and welcome to History Defeats Itself, part of the Sonar Network of Podcasts. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Thanks for listening to our show. History Defeats Itself is a comedy podcast that wonders if we, as people, learn from the past or if we simply repeat and defeat ourselves. As always, I am joined by my co-hosts out there in Los Angeles, California, who are making very weird gestures in the camera. John Banks, Greg Mitchell, how are you fine gentlemen? I'm fantastic, Of course you are. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm buzzed. Yeah, I'm a little buzzed. Are too. you guys both buzzed? This is great. Yeah. Yeah. I got catching up to do. I'm only on my second beer. Well, I had a, today was a road day, uh, and I always drink on road days. So. <laughs> he always drinks while he drives yeah. on the road. Very stressful. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. Well, traffic really stresses me out. Alcohol relaxes me. So smart. A lot of people have the problem with alcohol, too. Alcohol stresses them out. Yeah. Uh, History Defeats Itself does not endorse drunk driving. Please don't drive while drinking. On each episode, one of us will pick the topic and do the research while the other two don't do shit. They don't even know what we're going to talk about until it's revealed here during our recording session. And don't forget to rate and review our show when and where you can. And be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Greg gets very upset when people don't respond to his tweets. Also, uh, fans only. Are fans only fans. Only. <laughs> fans only. What are you, 80 years old? Is it only fans? It's only fans. Okay. I've never used it, so I don't know. Why do you have to be 80 years? You just have to not be a pervert to not know that. <laughs> well, because all men are perverts until they turn 80. Okay, 80's the cutoff. <laughs> God, yeah. I better be a pervert when I'm 80. If I'm still alive, my balls are out all the time. Yeah. And so when that testosterone completely bottoms out, when there's no more left in your body, that's when you stop being a pervert. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So soon for Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Very soon. Turn it, turn in that corner. It's it's hard for me to get offended. <laughs> well, True. because your testosterone's so low, you're not, you know. I, I don't feel fighty, right? <laughs> <laughs> or mustachey. <laughs> that sucks. But I do have a long neck hair. I don't know why that's happening. God, I wish I was more manly. <laughs> yeah, so do we. <laughs> Lastly, quick shout out to friend of the show, podcast guru, longtime listeners of History Defeats Itself probably know that my go-to app for podcast listening is Podcast Guru, already one of the top-rated apps on Android. They just announced the release of Podcast Guru for iPhone. The app offers a powerful and easy-to-use listening experience that doesn't waste your time or bandwidth with annoying banner ads. That's actually what I really like about it. There's no ads. It's really very simple. It sports all the standard bells and whistles you would expect from a first-class listening app, including sleep timers, playlists, episode, and podcast sharing, and advanced sorting options. The app also features support for Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Do you guys have that? 
I, I do. do have CarPlay. Damn, but it's really hard to... to listen to this because I keep looking at your scruffy face and just be like, that would feel good on my thighs. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. that's what I keep thinking. You do really like me in a beard. Oh, it is. He looks sexy. great with a beard. You know, but you look a little feverish today. Do you have a fever, Kevin? Probably. I okay. feel safe with him. That's what it is. It's like if I was hanging, I would just feel so safe and secure with yeah. you and that, that. Like if shit truck. goes down, I got you. Yeah, you got yeah. it. Like I'm carrying you around like Kevin Costner <laughs> carried around Whitney Houston. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not really gay, but I want Kevin to, to protect me <laughs> in <laughs> a loving a, way. Yeah. yeah. What am I protecting you from? Just anything? <laughs> From perverts, from perverts, from from, from, from eighty year old perverts. <laughs> you know what you need to protect me from is my appetite. Okay, <laughs> all right. I tend to eat a lot of junk food, so if you could just please stop me from eating junk food. So, Podcast Guru is now available on Apple Play. Is that it what you're is. saying? It is an Apple. Right. It's an Apple uh, uh, podcast or podcast app as well now. So, and you anyway. mentioned they're longtime listeners of History Defeats Itself. Is that true? I mentioned them. I think you feel. I think you said that they're longtime listeners of History Defeats Itself. No, I was saying that anyone who is a longtime listener would know that I've given them uh, props before on here. That's true. Yeah. Ah, you are embarrassing us right now, yeah. Greg. I misunderstood before because I got lost yeah. in your beard. That's <laughs> uh, so great. <laughs> like it's okay. Just, okay. It is Enough with my when he beard. Talks. All right. My God, I know I look hot for God's sake. You uh, know, he fixed his bangs. They're not going straight down <laughs> anymore. They're going crisscrossy, crisscross applesauce. <laughs> is that what you do when you go to the hair salon? You're like, hey, give me crisscross. <laughs> like I have applesauce. Bangs. I have. Just so we're clear, right now, I have an insecure erection. That's how hot you are. <laughs> I am insecure about who I am as a person, and it's making me erect. How do you have an insecure erection? Like, isn't that hard to shtup? Like, my only insecure erections are just like havies. <laughs> All right. So anyway, Podcast Guru, um, download it today. Give us a five-star review on there, too, because we're yes, so please. hilarious. Why not? Or, or if you have an insecure erection, two and a half stars. <laughs> yes, yes, they actually H-G-I. have a, a they have a, a, a section, a category for people with insecure erections. Yeah, instead yeah. of stars, it's just boners. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's it's this. It's like five different pictures at different levels of erectness. I was yeah, going to say, if, is it can it be five stars if they're all insecure erections, or are they is, is it more like you know I don't know two and a quarter or something? It's all sad faces. It starts at six o'clock and it finishes at midnight. Oh, all right, nice. All right, Greg, enough talking about erections. Unless your topic is erections, then I suppose we're going to keep talking about erections. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me do some research real quick on boners. Oh, man. Oh, hey, guys, let's let's get cracking. You know, earlier this week, I uh, had a little physical calamity where I pulled the muscles of my lower back, and that wasn't fun. I uh, bitched and moaned about it, and I fucking came to work like a miserable son of a bitch. I'm sure it's related to age. He was very miserable. Very complainy. All week. Um, Not a lot of activity. I think I pulled my back because I had to drive home from Vegas over the weekend, and it was like six hours in the car. And I think just being in one position for six hours was enough to like start the ball rolling. And I got to tell you something about fucking lower back pain. It, is it is it like this story? It sucks. <laughs> yeah, so it's it like, like the story. story. It's exactly okay. like yeah. the story. I've been stabbing myself in the ass with a knife just so I can stay focused. Good, because that is our topic. <laughs> stabbing <laughs> yourself in the ass? John Banks stabbing himself. 
the topic, I'm just going to go ahead and go ahead and say it. It's it's on pain and mm. pain management mm. and how it has changed through time and where it's going in the future. I'll give you a All little right. secret where it's going in the future. Opium robots. It, it, it's it's robot. It's, <laughs> it's micro robotics. <laughs> Opioid Pineapples, I tell you, that's the secret. With the Wim all- Hof method. That's the only thing you'll ever need. <laughs> it's all ball bearings these days. <laughs> so, Mysterians, I'm, you know, the funny thing about being a human being is that everybody, young, old, almost dead, experiences pain. And the thing that this research taught, well, odd. For Greg. Say the Greg odd thing a, about it. Greg has a weird sense of humor. So. <laughs> yeah. I do. It's a painful sense of humor. He's like, wait, guys, I have this joke. Humans, they experience pain. Huh? It's like, wait, I have this joke. He just punches John in the face. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> it gets all quiet in the podcast and you hear, in the, off in the distance, you hear. <laughs> <laughs> From my punch. I got it. I got it. No, not a punch. Like It's no. like I'm in a comedy club and oh, nobody's uh, laughing. You just yeah, hear a yeah, guy well, That, that bombed even worse than your <laughs> joke about bombing. <laughs> You should well, stop now. The good news is I don't care. That's true. <laughs> That's true. All right, guys. So we're going to talk about pain. God damn it. And <laughs> I, it was, you know, it's part emotional pain, which we're pretty good example. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. now I'm, I'm wounded because <laughs> yeah. you guys are fucking dicks. We yeah. are very good at that. And what I learned through my research was that everyone experiences pain. And <laughs> that's pain. what you learned through your research. No, you didn't, there's more. You didn't know that as a human. <laughs> the episode's not over yet, John. Everybody experiences pain. I know. And I didn't do Christ. any research. I just know because I'm a human. If, if anybody out there wants to do a podcast with me, I'm <laughs> fucking, I'll do it. Just call me. Text, email. John's out. Kevin, Kevin's that's laughing fair. at John's jokes, so. I'm about to cut him off too. Oh, wow. The way that we experience pain is unique to ourselves. So I want you to keep that in mind because, you know, you think, hey, man, if, if someone bit your toe, everyone would feel that the same way. It's not true, man. It's not fucking true. My first page is done. All right. Very dramatic. Five more to go. All right. Let's start. With early pain theories and remedies, shall we? When yes. I had my uh, <clears throat> procedure oh, do you, done, y- yeah, yeah, go ahead. They, uh, I had it, it was very painful for a long time. And what was painful? The uh, procedure. What was the procedure? Vasectomy. What What's that entail? Um, what happens? It's, well, Greg, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm taking over this episode now. Here's what it is: it's when you fall snowboarding and puncture a lung. Because <laughs> I feel like that. <laughs> Would be okay. your most painful moment. Right? We are not. Right. We are not good at uh, medicine uh, because <laughs> no. we're also, also anyway. not. We're also not good at empathy. No, definitely no. not. But no. at any rate, so I went in. Uh, I, I went in. Uh, I ended up having to have a an ultrasound of my uh, of my of my balls. Was there a baby in there? There uh, and uh, they showed me, and it was kicking, and it was. I saw the heartbeat, and um, <laughs> I, 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 it was. It was very unpleasant. It was very unpleasant. And then they found, like, I went in and uh, went in to see the doctor, and I could tell she was not happy. Like, she was annoyed that I was there, and I was in a lot of pain. And she was like, "Well, everyone handles pain differently." 
And I was like, what the fuck you? <laughs> like, she's, she's right. I know she's right, but that My doesn't mean I'm wrong. That. that doesn't well, mean a, I'm wrong. That's Here's a good point. Here's, that's, that's just not the time to say that as a doctor. I know, right? <laughs> like, I, how about some fucking empathy like you yeah. said there, you know? Lack of bedside manner. I mean, yeah. maybe something more like, hey, listen, I totally get it. I have pushed a baby outside of my vagina, but I'm sure your ball pain, it's totally the same. Yeah. Okay, That's how you handle it as a doctor. So let me tell you <laughs> so one of the things that. that happens during a vasectomy. Not only do they take a needle that's the size of a needle and inject it directly yeah, part, into your that, ball sack. That's where I'd just be like, no, I'm not doing this. They put it right in your ball sack. Yeah, they do. Ah, I get it. And, that's- and halfway during the procedure... You see and smell smoke. I never saw. I never smelled the smoke. I, I was too busy it. sweating. <laughs> I did not have an easy time with it. <laughs> A lot of my friends were like, oh, "It's not that bad," but she also said that some some people are worse. Some people have a. It's it's a little harder to get at what they need to get at, and mine were uh, mine were buried. <laughs> That's probably your vas difference. Were my like vas, playing, my vas were buried. They were playing hide and go. Your vas difference is probably like Italian going, hey, no way. Can you cut me off from yeah. procreating? That's right. That's right. Yep, that's, that's exactly what my vas sound like. Hmm. If you maybe, put, maybe it went up in there. When if you, you put your ear right next to Kevin's ball sack, you can hear his ball, <laughs> vas difference going, hey, you severed me and cauterized me. Did you ever go for the follow-up one with uh, with some seminal fluid to see if you still had little babies in there? Oh, like, I got to wait a couple little... months still. They say three still? months. They say three months. You want to hear a secret? I never followed up. I just assumed it worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't have any more kids, so I guess it worked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I don't have any more sex. <laughs> I, have low, I, have, I have low motility, so it, it doesn't. I don't need to... My, my guys are just like, nope, I'm not doing this. Not doing this. Yeah. I'm going to come wanna, out because there's that. a whole system that makes me do that. But once I'm out, there's nobody here to make me swim. Yeah. So, yeah. That's sad. You made no, it it's, very it's awesome. You made a very funny story sad. Oh. All right. Sorry, Greg. Continue talking about pain. Uh, what's the topic? Vasectomies? Yeah. It, it, yeah. So another thing about vasectomy is it would have been nice if they would have told me the first time I ejaculated after that was I was going to have blood in my semen. Because it's shocking. But don't you always have blood in your semen like me? <laughs> Is that not normal? <laughs> no, it's just in your poop. That's uh, fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's when you cough into a handkerchief. If you have blood there, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Every pee blood, no big deal. I believe that's called consumption, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best name ever. That really is. Is it deadly? I can't remember. Because it doesn't sound that bad. No, it doesn't. It sounds great. It's like, oh, no, that works. I can can handle that. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's get into the early pain theories and remedies. Since ancient times, humans have sought to conquer pain using a variety of treatments ranging from the sublime to the bizarre. Although the Greeks and Romans first advanced the theory of sensation which is the idea that the brain and nervous system have a role in producing the perception of pain. It was not until the Middle Ages and well into the Renaissance that evidence began to accumulate in support of these theories. As a matter of fact, in 1664, French philosopher René Descartes, Mm. who John has mentioned before, but he pronounced it... Yeah, we talked about him. He Mm. pronounced it René Descartes. Mm. He doesn't know fucking French. René Descartes? 
Yeah, <laughs> renal. Okay, so we're, we're so this kind of pain, the pain I'm experiencing right now. That this is the greatest pain I feel when you two do this to me and, and is that, make fun of. Is that like, it wasn't, true? It wasn't necessary. You didn't need to bring it in there. You you literally just it true? brought it up to hurt me. Is that true? Th- what? That's the most pain you can experience. No, no, that's not true. Okay, good. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he described what to this day is still called a pain pathway. Descartes illustrated how particles of fire in contact with a foot travel to the brain and compared pain sensation to the ringing of a bell. So if you think about the way pain affects you, like I'm not talking about emotional pain, like John was joking about before, and I do love you, John, and I'm sorry if Kevin and I just being smarter, better looking, and handsomer and funnier hurt your feelings. Well, but I mean, the last I, three of those things were lies. The first one, for sure. But the last three, no. So if, if what was you, the first one? Handsomer? No. No, that was the second one. Oh. What was yeah. the first one? I don't oh, think you're I, smarter I, than me. <laughs> that part's true. That's true. I'll, huh? I'll, I, will yield, I will yield the floor. We, <laughs> <laughs> we definitely don't read as much as John does or retain as much as he does. But here's the thing. I am not going to get a spell and beat with you two because I, will, I won't win. No. I won't. Do you know that like your ability to spell is just genetic? It has nothing to do with your intelligence. Where the fuck did Kevin go? I dropped my pen. <laughs> what do you need a pen for? In case I need to take notes. <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, like right now. My apologies. So Greg when you think it's less when... money going forward for that yep. joke? Okay, continue. Perfect note. I like it. So when you think about what Descartes said about uh, pain ringing a bell, if if you think about it, and I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, like as soon as you experience some kind of a physical pain, you, it doesn't just disappear. It, it just stays. It's like you can't, you know, there's a saying that you can't unring a bell or you can't unblow a whistle. As soon as that pain hits you, until it is solved, it exists. And the, what your mind does with that is unique to all of our own personalities. So if you're prone to anxiety or prone to pessimism or prone to optimism, that like each one of us could be like jab our finger with a thumbtack, for example. And the three of us could have completely different responses to that, to that stimulus. Are we going to try it here on the podcast? Yeah. So what I want you to do. Yeah. Is grab Kevin's pen and just throw it right into your right eye. <laughs> okay. okay right. Right. How do I, I'm trying to grab his pen. I can't. Ready, I can't. set, go. Okay, I'm wearing glasses, so nothing happened. Kevin, what happened right. to you? Uh, I didn't actually do it. No. Oh. Okay. You said to grab Kevin's pen, and I don't have Kevin's yeah. pen, so I didn't do it. Hang on. I've got another note to write down. Order pens for John. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Continue. Dear Amazon. <laughs> I'll just keep reading. I mean, I guess you guys weren't super impressed with my my <clears throat> Descartes. No, it is. I mean, okay. I, I know. Why are you rubbing your breasts? Because it feels good to do that when I am nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I t- of course, you're going to have three different three people that are going to react differently to that kind of pain. Don't fucking say it like it's obvious. It is obvious. Know? But what you what, what's different is when it's much bigger than that. That's not, you know, that's different. I, like, example, so, like you get decapitated. Oh, well, the, I mean, well, no, that's probably a bit I, extreme. So, okay, I, I, have, I have a really good example. So my brother, right, who had the wreck recently, he was talking when, when I was home for Thanksgiving, he was talking about how when he got out of the truck, 
or well, he he thinks he cried out of the truck, and he, I don't know if he was in shock or, but but he like tried. He was concerned about the other passenger, right, the guy who hit him, and so he start he went to take a step and walk to him, and he said his leg gave, and he was like that's weird, and then he like tried again, and his leg gave again. And he looked down, and there was a bone sticking out of his leg. Oh shit! <laughs> right, and so then he was like, oh fuck, I, he's like I'm hurt, and then so then he sat down. But he like went through this whole. He was talking about he went through this whole process of, you know, he kind of accepted like like he may die there, and you know he was like he he knew that his wife was gonna be okay, because you know so he had like this like very like great moment, and then and then they like he didn't die right. And was then, he disappointed but, about that? Was he disappointed? Yeah, was he disappointed? No, he wasn't disappointed. But <laughs> but he just and then like when I Dark. think about that, like I would probably be <laughs> screaming my head off because there's a sticking out of my leg and i wouldn't be like hey you know i'm coming to peace with this i'd be like i don't want to die <laughs> but you know what though i think though that that the shock thing what you brought up is 100 yeah. percent real and that changes yeah. everything and it's I, like one true. of those things no one can know how they react and and you react a lot more uh a lot less crazy than you might think you would and yeah, I, i'm totally true. with you i would be just sitting there going oh <gasps> <laughs> like, what you know, like, that's what i think i would be doing anyway right i think so too so so i think you know but but i would say just in general like I, I think like how we manage pain or feel pain like i think that goes way deeper into our lives and how we experience our lives kind of i mean just just adding on to what you're saying well think about like some of the stories that you hear about people in you know in wars and and or you know concentration camps or any of the, the horror stories that you hear over the years and what people went through and survived and somehow were able to get out of that kind of, and you're just like, how on earth could you deal with that level of pain and torment? And somehow you're people are able to figure it out, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I remember learning about a paramedic that would go on all of these, you know, he went to all these accidents and he used to tell people as they were dying, like they would ask him, am I dying? Am I dying? And his go-to response was, no, you're going to be okay. Uh, don't worry. You'll be fine. And like that, and they got more and more anxious and agitated. And then I can't remember why he changed to decide he was going to tell them the truth. And he'd arrive at an accident scene. If someone was going to die and he knew they were going to die, he would tell them that. He would say, yeah, you're not going to make it. It's really bad. And he said that a calm would come over them. And they weren't anxious, and they accepted it. And he feels like they went out uh, peacefully. And I was, like, really really struck by that because he's got some kind of crazy fucking God complex. (laughs) The podcast is about how arrogant this motherfucker is. I think that he's the one calming them. Well, it's pretty consistent with what John said about his brother, where he was yeah. like, I might die here, and okay, I know my wife's going to be okay, my kids are going to be okay, you know. It's just a fucking surreal thing to think about. Yeah. And we don't yeah, know how is. we're going to go out, and and hopefully... I'm going to have a lot of questions about your love for me, because it's so confusing to me. Like, you'll treat me mean, and then you say you love me, so it's like a very... I mean, it's the kind of love I'm used to, obviously, because I, I stick with you. But where did you know, this come still, from? Like, what did I questions. Just do that? Have that? No, no. What I'm just saying when I'm dying, I'm just gonna have a lot of like. I won't. I don't think I'm gonna go out peacefully because I'm just gonna constantly be thinking about like, did Greg well, love me or not? It's love probably me? It's very I, anxious. I, I understand for me. what you're saying because 
I will probably have stabbed you and then kiss you as you're dying. <laughs> yeah, that is confusing. So, I yeah. understand how it's, it's confusing. Joking. It's okay. It's okay. I love you. It's okay. I could see you dying and getting to St. Peter going, I don't really know what just happened and how I feel about that. And then right? all of a sudden the paramedic's going to get there and it's going to be me and you're going to be like, Kevin, why are you here doing being a paramedic? I'll be like, well, this is the side gig I was telling you about. <laughs> and then, and then side hustle. you're going to, you're going to the side hustle. Sorry. And then you're going to be like, Kevin, does Greg love me? And I'm going to look you in the eye and I'm going to say, no, he right. is the oh. one who killed you. That's going to hurt. And That's then hurt. I'll be on scene and I'll have half of a heart necklace and Kevin <laughs> will have the other half of a heart and we'll put them together just as you die. No, 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 no. Remember what we said? We said we're going to do the butt plugs, the rainbow butt plugs. Oh, right. That's implied. (laughs) When I say say heart necklace, I mean butt plug. Okay, so I haven't quite finished my second page yet. Mm. You better get on it. (laughs) In the 19th century, the application of new chemical and scientific techniques led to the development of morphine, codeine, and heroin. Potent pain medications derived derived from opium. In the early 1800s, morphine was marketed as a pain medication as well as treatment for opium and alcohol addiction. So they were giving you fucking, like, morphine because you got a problem with Budweiser. (laughs) Seems like a trade up, in my opinion. Yeah, that sounds like a great deal. Uh. Yeah. During this era, another potent pain medication and appetite suppressant cocaine was successfully isolated from coca leaves by a german chemist in the late 1800s and 1900s heroin was marketed <laughs> did that german did he, did he open like a nightclub a couple of years later <laughs> like after <laughs> totally like club <laughs> he's like club I'm 64 i've made cocaine yeah. now we disco now we disco <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem with weed is pain management not an appetite suppressant right no right quite the opposite kevin You'll notice your buddy Greg's a little bit bigger than he should be. <laughs> hitting the wacky tobacco a little too much there, G-Dog. <laughs> I don't know what those words mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Were you smoking the pot, Greg? <laughs> did you, Greg, did you have a marijuana cigarette, Greg? <laughs> I did. Enjoy some cannabinoid uh, <laughs> riboflavins and vitamins. Did you guys know that heroin, heroin was marketed by Bearer Pharmaceutical Products as a non-addictive morphine substitute and cough suppressant? <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I tried to do some thinking. When I was doing cocaine, I never really coughed. <laughs> so good That's, on you, Bearer. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, you know what they also they use morphine for? Consumption. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yes. Yeah. I, like, I like that. came up twice. Okay. Nice bear consumption callback. Laudanin, a popular mix containing opium and alcohol and other ingredients such as honey, which is kind of a letdown after <laughs> opium and alcohol. <laughs> honey? Why would they even bother? <laughs> to make it tasty. Saffron, you know how bad, like, not that there's cocaine in this, but you know how bad cocaine tastes. So you want to make it sweet. Okay, so uh, saffron or cinnamon, that was used widely, and it was completely legal until the late 1800s. Mm. We were born way, way too late. (laughs) I know. Just so you know. I mean, you could die from breaking your leg, but also 
opium. Okay. Opium. Heroin. What flavors of heroin do you have in stock? Oh, we've got the cinnamon. Um, we got saffron. We got saffron. Uh, there's only one saffron left, though. So if you want that, I'd probably get it now. <laughs> sassafras is not taken off for whatever uh, reason. There's lemongrass. Um, we thought sassafras was going to be a big mover. Yeah, just we have a lot it. of sassafras. Apparently, I think the problem is no one really knows what it is. So I'm not sure that people are people are scared of it. <laughs> The honey is moving okay, though. The honey, the honey, I can't keep on the shelves. <laughs> God. Early Walmart. We blew it. <laughs> we blew it by being born too we're late. All, all the employees were on opium. So, <laughs> so this lad in it, Laud Anum, sorry. It's awkward series of vowels and letter and consonants. It was commonly used for pain, <laughs> menstrual cramps, <laughs> sleep it was aid. Like other words, complicated. Okay. What else would be there other than the vowels and the consonants? <laughs> but it's just an odd arrangement. It's, like, it's, this not, is, it's, it's a weird word. It's like it's spelled L U Batman symbol fourteen. Like it's so strange. I just don't know how to read this. For something that contains opium and alcohol and honey, it, it should be spelled better. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair point. Okay. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember where I was, but it it, it was I, I used as either. a sleep aid oh. as well, and a, vari- a wide variety of other ailments, such as being alive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nothing wrong with using that a little is painful. Bit. Being alive is painful. They prescribed all sorts of shit for sleep issues back then. I I remember, and some something I've, I remember probably just a movie. It's probably fake anyway, but um. Like just just because there was always people complaining about not being able to sleep, so they'd be like, "Oh, we'll just take this heroin. You'll sleep like a baby," you know. Like they did that shit all the time. Yeah, I think I saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, it called, was called "Sleep Now with This Heroin." <laughs> I think it was called lighting. "Nightmare on Elm Street." <laughs> <laughs> it's called Night Teeth. <laughs> oh. oh, Kevin's funny tonight. <laughs> Although coca leaves, opium, <laughs> and other narcotics had been used for millennia to treat pain, the isolation of the narcotic compounds within these drugs and their subsequent availability in tablet and powder forms led to their widespread adoption as pain medications as well as their widespread abuse, which is odd that something that contains you know, cocaine, opium, et cetera, would lead to abuse. I don't know I mean, why. I, I just want to stop here and ask a question. Did anyone not see that coming? Raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> no? Okay. Wait, this no, makes I... people feel really good and is highly addictive. Do you think it's going to be a problem? Nah, it'll be fine. No. People will know how to control it. It'll be all good. Because <laughs> if human beings are good at anything, it's controlling yeah. their... It's impulses. willpower. Everyone's got willpower, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> don't they do the Wim Hof thing? <laughs> <laughs> You get on that fountain. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like it's not like somebody's gonna like sit on a water fountain and split their colon ever. Like that's no. never good. Humans would never do such a thing. No, of course not. It wasn't the colon they split. That's way deep inside. It was their rectum. No, no, he had a problem with the colon too. Yeah, it was colon. He went. Well, he got in there. What happened first, the rectum or the he colon? He ruptured his rectum and it like yeah, it like yeah. split. It did hurt his colon. The rectum is the window to the colon. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're going into real estate. <laughs> You shall not pass. <laughs> it's like you're like, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, it's a two-bedroom, and there's a rectum. But, you know, the rectum is the window to the colon. Yeah. yeah. So and which, why and then you, you that's buy where, this house? That's where you get the real value here. <laughs> I thought the rectum was the window to, like, more drugs. Like, you start with alcohol, then you, then you graduate to marijuana, and then you get to cocoa leaves, opium. Yeah. 
Okay. This, this colon's kind of got a mid-century modern look to it. <laughs> God. Have you guys oh. had a colonoscopy yet? Because I have. I have, yeah. I mean, I did, I did when I was 18. You know what my doctor told me on the way out? <laughs> and I was like half out on of it. On the way out of what? <laughs> on the way out of my colonoscopy. <laughs> okay. He said, he said your colon, he said your colon is squeaky clean and you don't have to come back for 10 years. And I was like, high five, doc. <laughs> squeaky clean. Did he put some Mr. Clean in there or something? Did he, Squeak- he sprayed no, some it, fabuloso up there? It came that way. Oh, okay. Squeaky clean. At the turn of the 19th century, pure aspirin was isolated from salicylic rich plants. I've never heard of that word. Don't know what it means. Didn't research it. Don't ask. Okay. Plants? Uh, plants are just they're things that grow in nature. Mm-hmm. Usually green. A lot of times mm-hmm. green. You guys are nerds. They mm-hmm. produce oxygen. Oxygen. Yep. And they love carbon dioxide. This discovery represented a major breakthrough in the history of pain medications. To this day, aspirin is the most commonly used pain reliever Worldwide, no shit. I'm surprised at that. What do you think it would be? Ibuprofen. Oh, Oh. well, or Tylenol or acetaminophen or whatever. I, I, I'm just surprised because I don't really like. No one I know takes aspirin. Do you guys take aspirin? No, I take ibuprofen. Yeah, aspirin is most readily available, and uh, yeah, I'll get into the ibuprofens and well, it's only like we're three people who take ibuprofen, so that's not a large swath of like that. It's a hundred percent of this group. (laughs) <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah, John. And if you deduct sure. that out, that's the world. I don't know so, if I've ever. I mean, I've taken aspirin at least not in my adult years. I have. Is it good for? It's good for your heart, right? Is that right? Well, what it does is it thins your blood a little bit, so it could like a low dose aspirin could potentially uh, prevent heart attack. But the trade off is that it could cause heart attack. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It cause a heart attack. It's, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> you got to find that sweet spot. Some people suffer from broken spine disease where your spine just randomly breaks for no reason. Aspirin's good for that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, no, no, it's like one of the side effects. That's not true. I, I can't prove that. So okay. I don't, I don't want to get sued by big aspirin. So That's I'm not sorry. true. I can't prove it, but it's true. In fairness... Bayer is the number one producer of aspirin, and they were fucking marketing cocaine a minute ago, so fuck them. That's true. Actually, not fuck them. Start doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, production would go up. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, everybody, we're doing cocaine at work now. (laughs) Let's get more shit done. I don't see It worked in Wolf of Wall Street. (laughs) Yep. No downside whatsoever. No downside (laughs) at all. That movie was so good. During the 20th century, many opioid and non-opioid medications continued to be developed. In the 1950s, a drug drug called Percodan was approved by the FDA. A combination of oxycodone and aspirin, the relative ease with which this powerful opioid medication could be obtained, along with a contention that a narcotic prescribed by a physician could not lead to addiction exasperated an ongoing opioid abuse problem that has ebbed and flowed for over 1,000 years. That's how long motherfucking oxycodone has been around. <laughs> well, not oxycodone. But, <laughs> I but don't think that's correct. Opioids. You know, right. from opium. 
Yeah. They're like, hey, listen, they were driving Teslas and doing opium, okay? <laughs> it was the it was the nineteen thousands. <laughs> it was the nineteen aughts, you know? I mean, like, you know, things were I crazy. Musk. Elon Musk. Fucking that guy. Not 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 good for opium. Hmm. All right, guys. So the general public may be surprised to learn that pain education and training is far from comprehensive, and many clinicians may lack a thorough understanding of the causes and mechanisms of pain. Misinformation about addiction, unnecessarily restrictive drug control regulations and practices, fear of local of legal sanctions for legitimate medical practice, and the inflated cost of pain medication compl- complicate this picture. So basically what we're saying here is that a lot of your doctors who you would go visit if you have a pain issue, they're not really well-versed in pain. And if you've ever gone to a doctor because of pain, I've been to a lot of doctors because I'm Jewish, so I have to go a lot. And <laughs> I, I would <laughs> that say way, that what? I get dismissed by the doctors but it's always kind of like, eh, I don't know if you need to get your fucking knee looked at. You're going to be just fine. So it, pain, pain is not something that is, like, I think doctors feel as though pain is something that happens to everybody. So they don't give it a ton of fucking concern. It's not like an emergency Fuck you. Deal with it. Suck it up. Hmm. You're going to some weird doctors. (laughs) Have you guys ever been to a doctor for like, except for obviously an accident? Kevin, you weren't, you went snowboarding. You decided to put a fucking rib through your lung. Right. Not a good idea. That was a a conscious decision. And a very poor choice. Very poor. That was like, that just shows you, you don't always make great choices. I don't make great choices. No. But have have you guys... But Ever had always. a nagging injury that you went to go see a doctor for? for no. For pain relief? No, because yes. I'm, I'm tough. Okay, John's tough. <laughs> Kevin's not. Kevin, do you want to elaborate? Yeah, I had, uh, I had a lot of pain in uh, my elbow, in one of my elbows. And it was, uh, it was to the point where like, if I like, leaned up in bed just on the mattress and just to grab like, my water or my phone or something, like, my arm would give out. Because like it, it seriously was so painful that I would just kind of fall, and it's been on for a long, long time. And uh, I did go into the doctor, and they took an X-ray, and I have bone spurs. Oh shit! So you actually have something? Yeah, like a reason for that to happen. Yeah. They give you yeah. surgery? No, I went to uh, my. Chi- I talked to my chiropractor about it. She gave me some stretches to do, and I feel good now. It really? worked. I do stretches every. I do stretches every morning for it, and then, and it worked. Yeah. But it was chronic pain that actually kind of went away. That's a it was there with me for a long time, too. I also had another one that was a, a hip pain in my right hip, you know, because I'm young and virile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> You also have hip dysplasia? No, I, it kind of... How can I describe it? It's this hereditary. It happens to all his male family members when they're, you know, in their 40s. <laughs> so. No, so like one of my... Uh, 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 the doctor I was going to at the time back in Chicago... He said, he, you know, you know, when you cross your legs, if you're sitting down and you just cross your leg, you put like your left as a guy, you put like your left foot yes. on your right knee or something like that. I can't yeah, really do that because my genitalia is so huge. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. to manspread at all times. OK, so uh, so he mm-hmm. was like, OK, so it's your right hip. And I said, yeah. And he's like, all right, put your 
put your, you know, cross your legs for me. And I put my left foot up on my right knee. And he's like, okay, now do it to go the other way. I had to like lift my foot up with my hands and like put it up there. He's like, dude, you're all out of whack. You got to, so again, stretches. He gave me stretches to do and then it fixed it. You know, these I've are had, boring stories. No, but I've had various industries, <laughs> I, uh, injuries and industries. <laughs> yeah. He's opened three businesses just on paint. Sometimes I'm manufacturing injuries, so but stretching stretching has helped a lot. Physical therapy, it's incredible. It's, it's really incredible how well it works. I was like ready to throw out all my shoes at one point because my feet hurt all the time during the day, and then I just started my again my chiropractor. She's pretty awesome. She started tell, she told me to start stretching my calves. Foot pain went away. Hmm. What are we gonna do without shoes? It seems like <laughs> she wasn't gonna go well. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. But I live in Colorado. A lot of hippies here. It seems like yeah, the a lot answer of snow, to too. <laughs> it seems like all the answers to your problems, Kevin, is you just don't stretch. Well, so. I stretch every morning now. <laughs> every time I go to my chiropractor, I get like four more stretches I got to do. It's like my, it takes my me. Eyeballs. It takes me like seven hours. <laughs> okay, so let me, uh, John. Did you have anything to add about pain? Nothing. I. I I'm very lucky that I haven't ever had any long-term chronic pain. My neck was hurting for about a month, and I remember how like shitty that felt and how that changed my mood. Um, so I can yeah. imagine if you are dealing with chronic, like people who deal with chronic pain and and um, are able to just go through life and not be assholes. Wow, I think that's I think they're amazing people. But yeah, so I don't. But I've never really had an experience at a doctor where I because I've never been in pain long enough to have it. I guess. Well, if well, you don't do go. anything active. You just sit around. So, and if I get to well, it, I stand later, on my head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that hurts. That's your the neck. key to success. <laughs> well, no, no, that's what hurt my neck. So oh, I stopped okay. doing that's that. A, yeah, all right, yeah. fair enough. So fair enough. I'm I'm gonna jump ahead real quick since since John mentioned this uh, chronic pain and depression. Oh, I standing on your head. It has been estimated that thirty five percent of chronic pain of the chronic pain population has associated depression. Pain can be a, sy- a symptom, a cause, or a consequence of depression. Studies investigating the association between pain and depression suggest that the stress of living with chronic pain can cause depression, but there's also evidence that pain develops secondary to depression, manifesting as increased pain sensitivity and that high depression scores are associated with greater risk of developing chronic pain. The association between depression and pain appears to increase with the severity of each condition. So not only can pain cause depression, but depression can cause pain. Yeah, I've heard that before. That that depression can can cause pain. What? Why is that? It's because of I don't know. Is it psychosomatic? <laughs> no, I don't think it's psychosomatic. I think. It's gonna. I'm gonna touch on this when I do my closing. Um, oh, see, I closing like to thing. do that though. I like to rob people well, of their of their. No, 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 no. it's fine. Does. I, I, does. I won't. I, I won't complete, all the time. I won't completely stop the last call. But what I will say is that there is a strong mind body connection, and people that are more prone to being angry or cynical or depressed, uh, not that those are the same emotions. Cause, uh, cause undue harm to themselves physically mm. and they end up having shorter lifespans and it, it's kind of fucked up 
because this, this is freaking me out, man. Yeah, you're you're gonna die soon, John. I know. <laughs> Damn it! But again, don't worry. I'm gonna murder you before your body does it. Well, <laughs> that's thanks. Um, <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Because I don't want to. That sounds terrible to die like in pain. I don't want to die in pain. So, are you gonna are you gonna like do like a of mice and men moment with me? I'm gonna tell you about the, the rabbits and you're gonna shoot me in the back of the head. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm going to. Now, see, this gives me an insecure erection. This is so. <laughs> okay, so you're turned on, but you're worried. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The institute- and, and excited about the future, but nervous. You know, <laughs> well, you will be murdered. <laughs> The Institute of Medicine estimates that treatment and management of pain costs about $635 billion annually in the United States in direct medical costs and lost productivity. Despite these costs approaching, it's approaching two-thirds of a trillion dollars a year, by the way, our failure to enact policies on pain treatment, management, and palliative care, along with the failure to put in place functioning drug supply systems, has hampered the, the development of consistent pain policies throughout the United States. So it's a very costly thing, and people brush it off. And because of that, because it's not taken super seriously, unless you're a white man, which the science definitively proves if you're a person of color or a woman, you are not treated seriously by the medical establishment and your pain is dismissed. And that's why women are at greater risk for dying of, for, of cardiovascular reasons like heart attacks because, because doctors just assume it's like anxiety or nerves and their symptoms aren't taken seriously. It's our whole system again i hate to fucking like bang on the same drum every time but we live in a society that's like systemically racist and systemically sexist and if you're a white dude you're gonna get the cream of the crop care and if you're anything but you're fucked so we're good though yeah, <laughs> three guys on this podcast. Don't worry if you're a so, fan. So, so I have a friend who's listening to this podcast, and she is a person of color. And she said to me, "She goes, uh, yeah." She goes, "Yeah." She goes, "You guys are funny," and you know, it's like, yeah, you're like three middle aged guys on the white guys on the left. So I mean, you know, you kind of all sound the same. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard and, that too. Yeah, I've like, heard that from white people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. That's pretty but true. She's like, yeah, but she's like, but you're funny. So I'm like, oh, cool. But, See, I've uh, not heard that from people. No, no. We don't have much of a choice about being middle-aged or white. No. no. But at least being left, that was a choice. That is true. Yeah. So pain is often undertreated. Despite the amount of money spent each year on the treatment and management of pain, it is nevertheless inadequately treated in vulnerable populations such as children, older adults, and ethnic minorities. Can I ask Patients- a question? Yes. When you say treated, does does medicine count? Yes. Because I feel like pain is often quickly, you know, you, when you when you go in with pain, you're you're it's it's not hard to get medicine. 
Like I feel well, like they, I feel like that's like the the answer. It's like I oh, will put you on this. So that has changed. It depends what kind of medication you're talking about. If you're talking about opioids, it's much much harder to get now. Yeah, I don't think I'm talking about opioids as much. Well, maybe I am. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, if you're no, talking, I'm talking about, about the things you take to like, really dull the pain that people get addicted to and then end up on heroin. I'm talking about those things, not not, not opioids. opioids. Like that's a, what is yeah. that made up? What yeah. is that? You're basically yeah. given two categories of of medication that you can have. It's either opioids or stuff you can get over the counter. So it's essentially like like because we are we love our prescriptions in this country. Is that maybe not as much based on pain? Well, if you look at like I take four prescriptions a day and it's not related to pain. Yeah. If if you're taking pen pain meds, like if you have a chronic your, your transition, right? Right. <laughs> it took me a minute. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I was processing and processing. Right. Right. Got it. So if you're if you're um, taking opioids, what what they've discovered, and I was going to get to a little bit later, is that here. Let me let me kind of jump ahead a little bit because surprisingly, opioids are not effective for pain management in the long term, especially for people that are chronically in pain. There's a, a lot of issues in that your tolerance builds up really quickly. You become constipated. Nobody likes that. Mm-hmm. No, that's more pain. That's what and, that is. Yeah, it <laughs> leads true. to more pain. So the way to the way to handle a chronic pain is actually through self self medication. You're your own best advocate and anti inflammatories. Anti inflammatories actually have the best track record of you don't build up a tolerance to them, like ibuprofen, right? Like an ibuprofen, no, yeah, and NSAID, <laughs> like an opioid, and, like yeah. an anti-inflammatory yeah. opioid, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that could be kind of mixed together. But the, it, anyone that will tell you that suffers from chronic pain that their opioids do not—they stop working. It's diminishing returns. I honestly like when I've when I've had, you know, wisdom teeth pulled, or when I had my my accident or surgery and things like that. I've always found that for the actual pain, the the ibuprofen Tylenol back and forth thing was better at pain management than the opioids were for me. And I didn't take much of them because those things freak me out. But you know, a lot of if I stayed on that, you know, every other, you know every four hours or whatever, take Tylenol and then take Advil and then take Tylenol and then take Advil and go back and forth. And it, it really managed my pain much better than, than it's taking It's because it's actually doing something. The right. And that's opioid. what I think I always kind of felt like it was actually doing something. Whereas the other stuff just put me in a, it just made me stoned and sometimes good stoned, sometimes not so good stoned, depending on what I was given. I, from my personal experience, I've noticed that if I've take if I'm taking an opioid for pain treatment as opposed to recreationally uh it's it doesn't work very well and it makes me feel very off and uncomfortable yes. yep. but if i'm taking it for purely recreational reasons kind of enjoy it yeah because it probably just you know i guess maybe you're figuring out what works for you but when, when i was in the hospital i actually had to ask for a different medication like different opioid because it wasn't it wasn't doing good for me it was Messing up my stomach. I felt really paranoid. It was fucking weird. I've never, oh, I've never felt quite that like sucks. that. 
I've had similar experiences. Are you sure that was at PCP? <laughs> I don't like, know what they were giving me. They weren't specific. <laughs> after after I had knee surgery, I was taking Vicodin, and that made me feel all of those negative things that you just mentioned. And I transitioned to Percocet, and for some reason, that made the world of difference, and it made me feel much better. I think Oxy was the one that was messing me up. Yeah, I think which is Vicodin, right? Is that John? Vicodin? I don't. I don't know. I'm not I think no, no. I, I think oxy oxycotton is oxycotton. It's like its own brand. It's it own is? thing. Yeah, okay. and it's like a different. I'm not sure what Vicodin is, but like, yeah, I don't. I don't actually. Yeah, I, at this point in my life, all that just sounds like way too confusing. <laughs> right? It's just like I don't want to be confused. I'm already having trouble focusing. I, I don't need opium to like. Yeah. Fuck that up in the hospital. Me. I'm just like, can I not just get like like a like a bottle of tequila and some weed? Like I, yeah. I think I can take care of this myself. <laughs> yeah. Let's just put on put on Yellowstone. All right, I like that show. I'll, I'll feel tough watching it. So put that on. <laughs> Give me I don't know where that came from, but I like oh, it. Just, just how we're managing pain, right? I'm just saying, put that on, and you know, I'll just I'll bite on this bullet. Yeah, I'll pretend yeah. I'm tougher yeah. than I am. And I'm just gonna I'll... watch Fight Club on a loop. Okay. <laughs> 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 So I'm going to continue on with uh, pain that's untreated. Patients with cognitive impairments, cancer payment, ca- cancer patients, and those with active addiction or a history of substance abuse are also undertreated. Undertreated pain has a profound impact on quality of life and can have physical, psychological, social, and economic consequences. Inappropriately managed acute pain can result in neural changes immunologic changes which can progress to chronic pain if left untreated surprisingly under treatment of pain can be an issue for those with diseases and conditions known to cause pain such as cancer hiv and trauma conservative estimates by the world health organization suggest that 1 million terminal hiv slash aids patients 5.5 5.5 million cancer patients and 800,000 trauma patients have little or no access to treatment for moderate to severe pain. Then it goes on to say, uh, it kind of it gets into more detail about what I kind of brushed over really quickly uh, about gender bias and ethnic access to to treatment and and proper drugs for pain issues. So that's kind of depressing, and I don't mean to just gloss over that, but like every episode we ever do, it's um, if you're an ethnic, ethnic minority, you're fucked. It's systemic, right? So that's like when, when, we, you know, when people say systemic racism, it, it doesn't imply that you are a racist, it, you know, but I think that's how people take it. But it's just it's implying that there's a system that has been built to cater to white men. And that's the you're, thing that, that yeah, it's like, I'm not racist. Right. Well, no, that's... Okay, yeah. maybe you're not, but right. the the country is. <laughs> <laughs> just recognize what John yeah. just said. Just recognize yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean that all this it doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and you know, it's, but it's like it's just it's like okay, like, you know, we can all like instead of taking you down, it's like let's just raise everybody up. Mm-hmm. Let's just put everybody on the same playing field. Anyway, yeah. And that's a, and that's a huge threat. To people that yeah, are, but I don't know why. Well, whether it's they're because, willing to admit it or not, you're right. Right. I mean, 
you don't know why because you're more of a selfless person and I don't mean to compliment you but if you're, <laughs> if you're benefiting if you're are you, highly, are you regretting it was it yeah I'm for you immediately to say? regretting it but if you're if you're benefiting from the society and you're just you know your pocket keeps growing full of cash you're not gonna you see others and minorities or women that are becoming equal with us as a threat, then you're not in love with, with change. All right. So, so much we po- could say on that topic, but uh, that would be a, a tangent to end all tangents. Yeah. So Pain. I'm going to continue on with what I'm <laughs> Probably talking a good about. Idea. So uh, surprisingly in nursing homes where the very reason why most people are there, you know, is to be treated either it's end of life care or it's trying to rehabilitate you to kind of go back to your own home. That should be the goal. They're underserved. And unfortunately, many of them as high as, as 80% of patients in nursing homes have substantial pain that goes untreated. This suggests that nursing home residents have moderate to severe pain. They have only about 50% chance of obtaining adequate pain relief. Which is like, it, it's fucked up because that's exactly the reason why you're there. And my father, he was in a nursing home at the end of end stages of his life, and I just, I mean, it's depressing for a variety of reasons. But you know, I just remember you would hear people just screaming. You'd walk down the hallway, and people would be in agony, and you would just hear screaming, and you know the. The, the nursing care facility, people were just blasé about it. It's, it's something that you would think is like an emergency. Get to that person immediately and see what's going on. You know, they were often just ignored. It was just part, it was such an everyday, every hour, every minute occurrence that there's just, they don't give a fuck. Well, and it did sucks they, did they that's not why you're, give a fuck or was there nothing they could do about it? Well, they have a big fat fucking cart with a bunch of drugs. Yeah. And if and that's another thing like the one good thing about opioids or the one reason it should be used is for palliative care or end of life care yeah right. agreed and cuz who the cares like, no risk. okay you get addicted great yeah who cares at that point big yeah. fucking deal right not going to ruin your so, life if i'm in hospice so if, i want fucking heroin a yeah lot 100% of it. yes i, I right. want I want. I want to do like. I want to do ecstasy. I want yeah. to shoot up. <laughs> like, Give me I'm, every single yes, awesome will, drug that I have yes. my entire life. Yes. I want to go to raves. <laughs> I want to go see Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, okay, I was with you till that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I want to go but to a it, fish concert, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would fuck that. I'm not going to go see fish. If I'm in hospice, I want to get. I want to get so fucked up. That I say, I want to go to a fish concert. Exactly. Because exactly. that's pretty fucked up. Right? <laughs> and then on your way home, you're going to get some gas station sushi. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And pick up a few hitchhikers. Guys, hey, you want to take a little break? Yes. Let's do that. And we'll come back with um, other uplifting things. The Battleground This Election. 
is Georgia. We got to fight like we've never fought before. A historic rematch for governor. Democracy only works when we work for it. In control of the Senate. It is time for me to get out and fight. Will all be decided here. Welcome to the Blue Georgia. Know what's really going on with the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We were there before all this media attention. Our team of journalists are the authority on the campaign trail. The results will have implications for years to come. Politically Georgia, hosted by AJC political insiders Greg Bluestein and Patricia Murphy. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You guys are cultured, right? You like theater? Yeah. What? No, I don't know. I, I mean, actually sometimes. prefer to call it theater. Theater? So I never, theater. like, anytime I go see a musical, I'm like, ah, I'm going to go see a musical. And I'm always like, when I leave, I'm, I'm like, like oh my God, that was amazing. I know, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. But, you're you're but like, always, it was like four hours long. It was uh, a lot, but it's, it was good. But I don't know why I'm so resistant to them because I actually, every time I go, I, I really do enjoy musicals. That's because you go see like Grease. Are we back to the wash again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you enjoy theater and history, check out Euripides, Eumenides, a theater history podcast. It's a fun Speak show. English. It's a fun show that doesn't take itself too seriously. Each week, Aaron Odom hosts a guest from the worldwide theater community to talk about a bizarre, fascinating, and humorous story from theater history. And similarly to the way we do things, the guest that he brings on has no idea what they're going to be talking about. So it's pretty fun. It's pretty spontaneous, kind of like our show. It's a good listen. They talk about uh, things like specific shows that are out there. They talk about specific people. And they also talk about random stuff like superstitions in theater and things like that. Have you, you guys ever have you been in a play before? Yes. Uh, I was on I've, talk. Was it, I think it was News Radio or Talk Radio. I forget because there's like a TV show called News Radio, Talk Radio. And then there's the play. I think it's News Radio. Was a News play. Radio was a show. Okay. Talk Radio then is, the, is a play by somebody. <laughs> Simon. Steve. Simon Neal, <laughs> Neil Simon. No, Eric Eric Bogosian, I think, wrote okay. it. Greg, have, have you ever acted? No, because I'm not good at that. <laughs> That's a good reason not to do it. So I decided not to. I was in a couple of high yeah. school plays. It was. Uh, uh, I don't think I was very good at it either, but I did it anyway. Oh no, that was I was on Broadway. That was when I was. On oh yes, yeah. yes, of course. Oh, yes. that's right. Yeah. That's Broadway a little known fact about this show. John <laughs> was a Broadway actor. Yeah, it's Alabama, Broadway, Alabama. A lot of people Bro- don't know where that is, but uh, it's a small town, about two hundred fifty people. Yeah, yeah. They call it community theater, but you know what? It's just it's just theater. You know. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I accidentally left my door open, and I don't want anyone in my family to hear that, John. It's a theater actor. Mm. Okay. It's, it's a weird thing to put a, put a flag in. <laughs> so. so anyway, check out Euripides, Eumenides, a theater history podcast, wherever you do your pod listening. How do you spell that? E-U-R-I-P-I-D-E-S, comma. E-U-M-E-N-I-D-E-S, colon. A really hit the comma. T H E A T R E H I S T O R Y P O D C A S T. Exclamation point. <laughs> Continue. That's Greg. silly. Those are silly letters. <laughs> Is it like Lonathan? L- l- what was the word you couldn't say? Lauded in. That one. It's it was like Vermont. Massachusetts. It was Vermont, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Let's continue on. I'm going to give you some stats about opioid abuse. God damn it. The United States is in the midst of an unprecedented drug overdose epidemic. Since 1999, prescription drug overdose deaths have quadrupled. In 2009, for the first time in U.S. history, drug overdose deaths outnumbered motor vehicle deaths. Since pain was coined the fifth vital sign in the 1990s, sales of prescription opioids in the United States have quadrupled. Can I ask a clarification question real quick? Yes. So you said uh, starting in 2009, uh, death from uh, overdose surpassed motor vehicle deaths? Yes. And that was just for legally obtained drugs or, or prescription drugs? No, that's all overdoses. That's all so overdoses. All Okay, got it. I just want to make sure yeah. I understood that. Mm-hmm. Yep. This increase in the prescription of opioids for pain management has been accompanied by a dramatic rise in prescription opioid-associated morbidity and mortality. In 2010, more than 16,000 deaths were attributed to prescription opioids, making them a leading cause of injury death in the general population. There are now more deaths from opioid-related overdoses than from all other illicit drugs combined. Emergency, emergency department visits, substance treatment admissions, and economic costs associated with opioid abuse have all soared. So here are some stats. Well, I got So I'm kind of curious because I, I wonder, like, have, have you guys seen uh, Crime of the Century on HBO, the documentary about the Purdue Pharma and the whole, like, Oxycontin thing? No, I think Sheena watched it. I have not watched it, though. So it's, it's pretty amazing. But bas- basically, so they used to, and, and, and the re- so they used to, would only, doctors would only give patients who were at end of life opioids. Uh, like, uh, rarely would they give somebody opioids if they weren't at end of life. But if end of life, they didn't have a problem with it. When was, when was this, were you saying? This was, this was like the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way up until the 90s. And then what happened was basically because what it was, the, the oxyco- oxycodone, it's a, oxycotton, I think, is the brand, right? Oxycotton is a, uh, it's basically opium, but it's in this time-release system. So they basically convinced doctors that it wasn't addictive. And, you know, because it had this time-release or it wasn't as addictive or something like that. And so, so then that's when it really became on the market. So I wonder if now... The end of life stuff is kind of like a backlash of that. So now people are like being like, oh, no, we don't want to use we, we don't want to use opioids. We, we want to pull that back. And you know, so they're pulling it back on everybody. I wonder if that's like a, a cause of this whole opioid crisis. I, I remember thinking after your uh, pharmaceutical episode, John, that one thing that I, I wanted to bring up and I never did was was uh, sports because I know you love sports. But I do. One of the things Get, that roll tide, baby, roll tide. See, you can, I hope they lose this weekend. Uh, but you can see, uh, it's not nice. uh, you know, there's a lot of there's documentaries, there's stories, and all this stuff out there about how athletes will become addicted to opioids because when they're playing, they are given tons of opioids. Anytime they anytime they have pain, they they're given these drugs, and then when they're not playing anymore, they have a harder time getting these drugs. So then all of a sudden they're on the street getting these drugs, whether it's heroin or opioid, you know, or or oxy or whatever it is. And they become addicted to it, and it's a huge, huge problem. And it's it's sad. It's really it fucking is. sad. It is really sad. It's it's super fucked up. And I remember hearing that oftentimes doctors would prescribe opioids because they didn't want to get like bad reviews. They didn't want to get 
their patients, they don't want their patients to be unhappy with them. So if I'm going to go see a dentist and I get a couple of teeth pulled or whatever the fuck's happening, they're going to prescribe opioids because if they don't, then I'm going to say, hey, I'm in a ton of pain. This dentist fucking sucks. Yeah, and I mean, what is, the, everybody. what is the joke? Anytime you have dental work done or a surgery or something like that, and you're like, yeah, I had this done. What do people say? Oh, I hope you got some good drugs. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like a that's like a joke people say, and, and it's scary. But it could tarnish their reputation yeah. if people say, hey, this dentist is not a painless dentist. Yeah. And and um, it's it's really fucking sad because a lot of young people start off um, becoming, well, they become heroin addicts, just from something as simple as going to the dentist, or or and, a sports injury, like I was saying. Yeah, you know, a sports and, injury, and, they get, and, and they get, get hooked. You can get suspended in the NFL for smoking marijuana, but they'll give you all the opioids you want. Yeah, it's, well, because uh, marijuana is reefer madness. Everyone knows it right. causes that. So, have you guys ever seen Late? that? I want to watch. Oh, that. It's so good. I've never seen it. It's good. It's right. definitely worth watching. Lately, I have noticed. Not that I've like tried to ask for some, but doctors are not dispensing opioids like they used to at all. Even when I had my uh, my accident and I was in the hospital for a few days, when I left, I did not get very many pills at all. Like the amount yeah, of no. them was. I, I remember back in the day, like I'd have you know a tooth pulled or something, and I'd be I'd get like a fucking keg of pills, you know. And now yeah. it's like I mean there was a very very small amount in there. Yeah, because some people can't fucking handle it. I keep uh, every time I go to get a paper cut, I like to go to the emergency room and get opioids. Yeah. So I'm sure you would. Mm-hmm. Some startling statistics illustrated the magnitude of the op- abuse problem. Between 1997 and 2011, the U.S. population increased only 16 percent. However, the number of prescription pain medications sold by pharmacies increased slightly more than that. Between 1997 and 2011. Oxycodone sales increased by 1,259%. Hydrocodone sales increased by 356%. Methadone sales increased by 1,099%. Fentanyl sales increased by 711%. Morphine sales increased by 246%. That's a lot of math. It's a lot of percents. Yeah, definitely a lot of percents. Yeah. I don't really believe it because I feel like there's nothing really higher than a hundred percent. Yeah, but no, I don't think there that's is. Solid. You can only you can only give a hundred percent effort. We all know that. Right, right. Yeah, you can't do one hundred and ten percent. Nope. Yeah, no. You you really can't. Do you have any statistics on uh, the increase in Tums usage? Oh, that's a good. Good Let question. Look, Tums, 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 Tums. I had a lot of Tums. I'm worried about myself. Did you really? <laughs> I tweet a lot of times. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna go to a doctor, but but seriously, I have a pain inside of me all the time now. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, I mean, you know, it puts out the fire. Yeah, just take some tums and take another swig of beer. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's in your family, right? Mm, yeah, like acid reflux stuff. Yep. Let's not. Let's not call it his family. So I'm going to dovetail on what John said a moment ago. <laughs> because they have weak constitutions? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, that's... I mean, yeah, that's right. The increased availability of opioid analgesics means that there are they are being used in ways that, that are unsafe. That? Analgesics? Yeah. I was serious, because I don't know. I always am like, analgesics? I don't know. I think it's anal bead is what anal you're trying beads? to say. Analgesics? 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. The increased av- availability of opioid anal beads means that they are being it doesn't sound right. Uh, being used in ways that are unsafe or unintended. Oxycontin, for example, which was designed as a slow release oral medication, is now being crushed, then snorted or injected with lethal consequences. To combat this, new formulations are being designed to deter some of these abuses. For example, a new formulation of oxycodone releases from 21 to 48% less opioid when tampered with. How the hell do they do that? Robots? Robots. Ball bearings. Can we, okay, wait, but can we, instead of, can we put HDI anal Jesus? Can we do t-shirts to say that? (laughs) Yes. I really do want. I'll pay for that. Yeah. I think those will sell out. Because <laughs> you'll buy them all. I, I will. I really will. And I will wear them every day. You'll just give them out as Christmas gifts. No, no, no. no. I will wear them all. Oh. At the same time? Yep. So you want me to get them all in extra small is what you're saying? <laughs> it's like small. Not, not okay. extra small. Okay. You're being ridiculous. 13 to 15. Okay. That's the spot I need. That's 2T. Uh, it's <laughs> Uh, I'm skinny. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they a get it. survey of pain management in 16 European countries conducted in 2003 found that 28% of survey respondents used prescription opioids. Of particular interest, the countries reporting higher percentages of opioid use were no more satisfied with the pain control than those with a lower prevalence of use. So that kind of hits on what I was saying before where they're not as effective as people would think. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I definitely experienced that. I know I know a lady who, and, and I'm not like, oh, but she uh, has a really bad back pain. Um, and she had, like, I think she had a motorcycle wreck or something like that. And back pain, honestly, is a huge one. Yeah. Why and, people and, get addicted to these things. And she's not, and, and she, but what, you know, she's tried different things and she tried CBD and she said that felt good for a while. And it, and it seems like things kind of work and then they stop, you know, but, but it's like, she, she manages it mostly by just like stretching and, and just living with it, yeah. you know? And then yeah. she reaches a point in the day where she has to lay down. Like she can no longer you know, but it's like, she can go, it used to be like, she could stand for three or four hours and now she can actually stand for like 11 or 12. And she's like worked it out over the years, you know? And mm-hmm. anyway, well, good, good for her for, yeah for not caving because it'd be hard to do yeah it'd be hard to not to not be like all right just give me the fucking pills yeah well because i think you know and the pain may it's when you're sober the pain feels the same but that's the thing is like you're just you're getting high right Right. so you're escaping it in some form and that's why i think that the the to greg's point that the pills don't work as well as people think they do because you know i mean if the high isn't a good high like it was for me when i was on i think it was oxy in in the um in the hospital I was high. I don't really remember, but the high wasn't the high wasn't good high. So I I don't know that it was helping me that much. You right. know what I mean? It was just making me. It, it was you making my worse. stomach hurt, which I guess yeah. kind of took some pain away from my ribs. <laughs> and my lungs. It moved it. Well, it's kind of fucked up when you think that painkillers all they're doing is masking pain. They're not doing anything to promote to solve any it. kind of healing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which is fine if your body's fighting it off on its own, you know. Which in, my, in like right. in my case yeah. in the hospital, my body was gonna fix it. It's just a matter of that I, you know, was trying to get through that time. So I get that and that the use yeah. in that scenario. But you're right, Greg. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not people who take it, you know, for chronic pain. It's not gonna fix anything. It's not healing. No, not even a little bit. But it, 
you know, and then you also have to, like, I'm very sympathetic towards people that are dealing, suffering from chronic pain because they need something to help them function. You can't just lie down in bed all day. And pain is a very good motivator to do something like take pills. You know, I mean, like, it, like mm-hmm. if you get to a point mm-hmm. where you just you've had enough, you're just like that's right. I, that's why I was kind of saying about your friend uh, John. I, I give her a lot of credit. I mean, I yeah. just I totally like I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could if I could resist the temptation. Well, some facts about prescription painkillers uh, amongst women: more than five times as many women died from prescription painkiller overdoses in 2010 than just 11 years earlier in 1999. So five times. Women between the ages of 25 and 54 are more likely than other age groups to go to the ER from prescription painkiller misuse or abuse. Women ages 45 to 54 have the highest risk of dying from a prescription painkiller overdose. Non-Hispanic white and American Indian or Alaskan Native women have the highest risk of dying from a prescription painkiller overdose. Prescription painkillers are involved in one out of 10 suicides among women. Women are more likely to have chronic pain, be prescribed prescription painkillers, be given higher doses, and use them for longer time periods than men. Women may become dependent on prescription painkillers more quickly than men. Women may be more likely than men to engage in doctor shopping, which is when you get multiple prescriptions from multiple uh, providers. And and some people use multiple pharmacies as well. So it's um it's a fucked up thing. It's a fucked up thing and hopefully we're kind of learning from this abuse and it seems like in the United States that we are all kind of victims of the of our for pay health insurance and our society is just our culture is just kind of ripe to be taken over by by like a a pharmaceutical company that is going to promise the uh you know the sun and the moon and try and, and heal all your your woes and it's um I don't know it's kind of fucked up nobody likes it and hopefully we're we're what I was going to say before is hopefully we're moving towards the end of that and more awareness and all of these statistics are proving that it's very unhealthy and very dangerous and we we realize that we we need to move past that and go to alternative therapies be it cognitive behavioral therapy to help you uh, go through pain or meditation or you know mental health issues you know we talked about the mind body connection so hopefully yoga yoga all of these things can help pilates i can name things yeah, you can name yeah. things. Can drugs get at that? <laughs> very, very good at drugs. That. But you know, Using I know drugs when while I, doing Pilates. Yeah, I don't do anything help. sober. Yeah, I I know that these are all easier said than done when you're talking about. But it does yeah. make a difference. People, but people who start doing that stuff swear by it, right? And, and like, again, I can I can I can attest to the fact that just some Stretching. not that I have anything. <laughs> what's that? Just stretching. Like I gotta. I mean, it's stretching. weird to say, but I mean, but, I yeah, spend I spend about twenty minutes every morning, yeah. every Which single is really morning, smart. and I yeah. stretch. And and most of these stretches were things that I talked to with my chiropractor or other doctors, and over the years, and and have just like kind of like it's just sort of morphed into this routine that I have. But man, I tell you what, I take one day off and I can feel it. 
And yeah. I don't I don't think that's just like my my brain tricking me. I mean, I honestly do think that I have some I'm getting older and and I've had a active life and stuff and there's just, you know, I have some issues here and there and 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 taking care of it with these simple remedies can keep me feeling so much better. It's like a good example like my knees. My knees, I have bad knees. I don't have much cartilage in either knee. It's genetic. There's not much I can do about it. But I um if I'm not Do you come running, from a family of cloggers? Yes. Okay. Yes. That would explain a lot. Jennifer does. The Dutch. If I'm running regularly, it seems counterintuitive, but if I'm running regularly, my knees feel 10 times better, 100 times better than if I yeah. am not. Me too. And it's weird. I don't it's know why just, that is. It's seriously like, and I've yeah. talked to that about with, with people before. I talked to, about it with my brother. He's like, I can't run. I have my bad knees. I'm like, man. And I'm not saying this for everybody. Like Some people have legitimate like structural issues and, and stuff like that, but what happens to me is that when I'm running regularly, the other muscle, the muscles in my legs are being are becoming stronger. Therefore, it takes pressure off of the knees, which then, because of my lack of cartilage, is less of an issue. So if I so it's it's basically physical therapy. It's physical the therapy. Yes, you're right. Where, where my left knee is lacking cartilage as well, and I I've noticed that too. The more I stay on the PT and the more I I jog, the better I feel. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it's really is like the little things. I mean, it's not little. I know it's hard. It's not always easy to like have a regular routine of, of, of running and jogging, but like those kind of like things can keep you healthier and not having to run for even, even something like Advil. I mean, I take a lot less Advil when I'm, when I'm exercising more. Yeah. And something I'm thinking about right now that's kind of related is that um, the things like cognitive behavioral therapy meditation all of these all of these things that you do the exercise the mental health aspects the remaining optimistic um i think that it's not to diminish anyone's pain right that they're getting from like an acute distress situation right we're, we're talking about a different thing here yeah for sure yeah i'm, I'm talking about something that's more of a but, of a of yeah. a you know but but ahead. here's how i think it's related because I, I we're not we're not diminishing the seriousness of an acute distress distress situation, but maybe if you prepare your body and your mind, and you and you practice these types of things, maybe the distress is shorter lived and it doesn't grip as much in your psyche, mm-hmm. and because of that, you're not giving it as much weight, so it doesn't turn into something chronic or ongoing, and it's something that you can kind of compartmentalize, and and help to fix. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. I'm sorry so, I was compartmentalizing. What? You guys want to drive it on down that last call? Ooh, I like shots. I'm not Everybody whiskey. likes shots. <laughs> I got I to gotta find my last call sheet because it's, uh, it's way in the back. Um, I like right. how we're talking about how bad all these drugs are and stuff, and we're just boozing. Well, well. I was that numbs yeah. a different kind of pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's that emotional pain you touched on earlier, John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I was. I was. Uh, that was one of the things about emotional pain is that it, um, you know, like with physical pain, especially like an, uh, an injury or something, you can talk about it after it's done, and it doesn't. You don't relive. You don't rebreak the arm. But when you actually relive an emotional trauma, you actually, when you're talking about it, you're actually repeating it in your brain. Yeah. Your brain is taking it the same. So that's like kind of fascinating. That is, so that like, is hey, I could totally see that. that. Yeah. But you know what? That actually is not a hundred percent true because one of the things that I didn't touch on is the fact that part of 
what makes something hurt even more than it should is your past experience with pain. So if you've if you've like stubbed your toe before and then you stub it again and it hurt a lot the time before, it's going to hurt just as much if not more the second time because you're associating a, a mental uh physical response. Really? To that. Yeah, so it, that can actually happen. I could see that. Pain. I could see that. I'll it tell you this when I, when I when I had my snowboarding crash, I I resisted going to the hospital only because I'm like I've broken ribs before and you go in there and they're just like that sucks. You know, yeah. like get better. Yeah. And so like I was really hesitant to go in. I'm obviously glad I did, but uh cuz I knew that something that it was much more severe, but there was definitely a part of me that's like, no, I, I've done this before. I've broken ribs before. This is going to suck and I'll get through it. But I mean, so maybe that was like kind of the opposite of what you're talking about, Greg. It's almost like, all right, I've broken ribs before and I've gotten through it so I can do it again. So I was trying to convince myself of that, that the pain wasn't that bad. Yeah. And that's a good positive spin because right. I was thinking about it more of a, yeah. as a yeah, negative. Totally. I think it can go both ways. It. Yeah. Well, because I, like, I think I like we know saying. one of you is an optimist and one of you is a pessimist. There's and only one person one of- on this podcast who's a pessimist, John. We all know it's you. That's <laughs> true. You did a whole episode about it. <laughs> I did. I did. Yay, Guys, let's pessimist. grab our last shot. Everyone ready? Yeah. Listeners, if it doesn't hurt too bad, take your shot. And looking over my notes for last call, Miss Dorian's co-host, I realized that I've pretty much touched on everything that's in here. So... <laughs> I think I'm going to send you guys off. I mean, I talked about <laughs> like the way your brain assesses pain and different injuries and how they affect it. Eh, it's fucking, it's, it would all be redundant. So I'm going to say, go out there, make history, but not with a catastrophic injury because that's just fucking disgusting. We didn't talk about the grossness of, of injuries. We talked about pain, but some people get really fucked up. Yeah. Compound fractures, like John was talking yeah. about. Your brother walking around with fucking bones sticking out of his leg. Ugh, God, like it's just don't think about it. Don't do that yeah. shit. <laughs> don't just don't let your, your bones come out of your skin. Okay, yeah, keep your skeleton inside yes. your body where it belongs. Yes, this is the most. This is the best last call ever because it gives the best advice we've ever given. Keep your bones <laughs> inside your body. <laughs> I did write out a really long last I call, it. but it's. Fucking pointless, because you assholes. All right. Yeah. I'm not talented talented enough to uh, to adapt. <laughs> All right, guys, go out there and have a great week. We'll we'll talk about Wim Hof later, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>